I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider today, is recorded in the Gospel of St. Mark in the ninth chapter. There we read verses 30 through 37 in Jesus' name. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you talking about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, They had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, as our Lord Jesus walked through the region of Galilee one day with his disciples, he used this quiet opportunity to further instruct them. Specifically, he wanted to tell them what was going to happen to him in the near future. In the city of Jerusalem, he would be seized and arrested, beaten, tortured, nailed to a cross, and buried. And on the third day, he would rise from the dead. Though this was not the first time Jesus had spoken to them about what was going to happen, Mark says they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. The disciples didn't want to understand it. This whole notion of Jesus dying on a cross could not be reconciled with their hopes and dreams that he was going to establish a powerful earthly kingdom and that they, his friends, would be placed near the center of that power. They pinned their hopes for earthly glory and respect on their connection to Jesus. And here he was talking about being crucified. But instead of 
asking about it instead of discussing this, they began to quarrel among themselves. Our text says they came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent because on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. In response to, the, to this, Jesus began to teach his friends about true greatness in God's sight. So as we look at this lesson of our text today, we'll consider our theme, earning God's respect. And as we look at it, we make these three points. First, that by ourselves we cannot earn respect from God. Secondly, that his respect for us is a pure gift. And then thirdly, we'll note how it is that we demonstrate in our lives that we have God's respect. If you watch or if you listen to sports programs, you know that on them people are constantly arguing about who's the greatest, who's the greatest basketball player of all time, who's the greatest baseball pitcher ever, who's the greatest NFL quarterback. We tend to judge greatness on the basis of human achievements and statistics. We judge a person's respectability sometimes on the basis of their fame or on their income. Those who have the nicest things, those who command the highest salary, command the most respect. But it doesn't work that way with God. His standards are too high. At that point in history, no one was more respected than the Pharisees. That is, that religious and political group which practiced a very strict code of morality. It was important above all else to a Pharisee that he should be respected by others. And he was respected according to the evaluation of most people. But even by their fasting, by their tithing, by their self-denial, the Pharisees could not earn for themselves God's respect. Jesus said to them, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. God does not judge on the basis of outside things. God can look at the heart. Only the one who loves God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul and his strength, and who loves his neighbor as much as he loves himself, only that one is truly earning respectability in God's sight. That being the case, we have to honestly ask, how could any one of us ever boast of earning God's respect? We know that we don't measure up to that standard. Far from calling us great, the Lord says there's no one who does good. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
we know that the best sort of gifts are the ones that are really most undeserved. Though we cannot earn God's respect, secondly today we say that his respect for us is truly a gift and he bestows that upon us through his son Jesus. Jesus earned respect for us by his own lowliness, his own humility. Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord over all lords. And yet, the Bible tells us that he set aside that glory in order to come here and live among us as a poor servant of all. Isaiah wrote, There was nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Writing to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul said of Jesus, though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed, but he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. Jesus humbled himself all the way to the cross. There he suffered mockery and spitting and whipping every step of the way. And on the cross, he died the most disgraceful of deaths, crucifixion. He declared the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Though Jesus had no sin or guilt of his own to suffer for on the cross, he accepted our guilt. He accepted our punishment, and in doing this, he paid entirely the ransom which has set us free from our sins and their punishment. Isaiah foretold of him, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. And so St. Paul concluded, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even though it seems the disciples didn't understand, and though they seemed to dismiss it entirely, just as Jesus promised them that day as they walked in Galilee, he rose from the dead on the third day. Jesus' resurrection proves to us that he really is our Savior. His resurrection assures us that all of our sins are now forgiven for his sake, that his sacrifice for us was entirely acceptable to the Father. It means that because he rose again and is alive, we too shall rise again from wherever we are buried on the last day. Through faith in him, we are counted then as respectable in God's sight. God graciously credits to us the perfect humility of Jesus in exchange for our vanity, our own misdirected pride. By faith, God credits to us the greatness of his innocent son in place of our small and petty standards by which we judge each other. Through faith, we become nothing less than God's own children. 
And as we are his children, then surely we also are heirs of eternal life. As his sons and daughters, we will inherit heaven. The Apostle Paul had been earlier in his life a proud and admired member of the Pharisees. As a rising star among them, he commanded all the respect with, which came with that membership and that title. But after his conversion to faith in Jesus, he wrote, whatever was to my prophet, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes by the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So far then today we've noted that on our own we can't earn God's respect. Our sins, we admit, would rightly earn the opposite, his righteous anger. But God's respect is a gift that he bestows upon us for the sake of Jesus, who humbled himself for us and died for our salvation. Knowing that, how do we demonstrate in our lives that we enjoy this gift of God's respect? We read in our text, Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he will be the last of all and the servant of all. You and I can live as respectable people by serving those who, from an earthly standpoint, don't seem to deserve our respect. In doing this, Jesus, of course, has to be the example we follow. He was willing to be considered the least of all people though he is the everlasting son of God for us and for our salvation, he was willing to be considered as no account, as worthless. As those who have been rescued by his grace, we should place ourselves and our own desires, our own ambitions behind those of others. The apostle instructs us, each of you should do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. As people who have received this gift of respect from God through the forgiveness of all of our sins which Jesus obtained for us, we should now be willing to forgive others, to forgive those who sin against us. He himself, hanging on the cross, listening to the jeers, to the mockery of the crowd below him, prayed, Father, forgive them. And so the Lord's servant Stephen, not long after that, in his final moments, prayed for the forgiveness of those who were stoning him to death. We show God's respect in our lives also by serving people who aren't in a position to return whatever favor we might do for them. We read in our text, Then he took a little child and placed him in their midst. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, 
Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not just me, but him who sent me. Here the disciples of the Lord had been arguing with each other over just who among them should be considered the greatest. And Jesus showed them that greatness in the kingdom of God is recognized by service to the smallest. Greatness is seen by a willingness to help those who can't help us. We know that little children cannot reciprocate our service to them. They can't write out a check for the things we do. They can't give us money. They can't do commensurate tasks for us. Likewise, you and I can't pay God back for all of his goodness to us, but it's through the quiet, often unnoticed, unrewarded service we give to others that we make known our thanks to him. Greatness and respectability in the world Greatness and respectability in God's sight are often two very different things. May our Lord lead us to see our sins and to admit that by ourselves we are unrespectable people. May he then lead us to rely on and to rejoice in the respect which Jesus Christ has won for us by his own humble life and his lowly suffering and death. May we demonstrate that we've received this gift of respectability by our own humble service to one another. For Jesus' sake, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.